A little hidden history, a little pedagogy, a lot of ways we can improve our teaching and mindset so that our history and social studies classrooms tell a more complete, diverse human story. I'm Cheryl Ann Amendola, and this is the Teaching History Her Way podcast. Hello, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, and welcome to the Teaching History Her Way podcast. My name is Cheryl Ann Amendola, and I am so very, very happy you're here. This week, we're going to be talking about the Thanksgiving myth. You know the myth that I'm talking about, the one where the supposed pilgrims and the completely unidentified Indians sit at a table and have a friendly meal together in 1621. Hogwash. That's not true. So let's just start from right there. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Thanksgiving. I love the smell of the fire pit outside. I like to fry turkey with my family for Thanksgiving dinner. My mom always made the best candied yams ever. And it's just a time for me to sit down and reflect on all of my blessings and the things that I'm grateful for. And that national myth that many children are taught and that many generations have been taught to believe about pilgrims and Indians takes away from that story in a way that's really hurtful. Because this untrue story hurts the indigenous community. And it also hurts the rest of our American community because they're believing something that isn't true and therefore erasing any wrongdoing done to our indigenous peoples and also allowing stereotypes to perpetuate, especially when you go onto like elementary schools websites or like community websites that are celebrating Thanksgiving and you see Um, kids dressed up as pilgrims and then having feathers in their hair. Uh, Someone's culture is not someone else's costume. So let's get beyond that Thanksgiving story and figure out a way to retell the Thanksgiving story that shows gratitude, that helps us focus on sharing and community, and also decenters that national myth and centers indigenous stories and other stories about ways that people in the past have celebrated gratitude. So first, let's get rid of that story about pilgrims and Indians. According to James Lowen's book, Lies My, Teachers Tol- Lies My Teacher Told Me, that story about pilgrims doesn't even come into the picture until 1890. And the first official Thanksgiving, the first federal Thanksgiving was actually celebrated in 1864 with Lincoln's Declaration of Thanksgiving. So If there are like 30 years in between the first federal Thanksgiving holiday and the Pilgrim story, that tells us automatically that there's something a little wonky about it. Additionally, if you look at Lincoln's proclamation, it doesn't mention that Thanksgiving meal anywhere. If you jump down to the second paragraph of Lincoln's 1864 proclamation, it says, Now, therefore, I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, do hereby appoint and set apart the last Thursday in November, next as a day which I desire to be observed by all my fellow citizens, wherever they may then be, as a day of thanksgiving and praise to Almighty God, the beneficent creator and ruler of the universe. And I do further recommend to my fellow citizens aforesaid that on that occasion they do reverently humble themselves in the dust and from thence offer up penitent and fervent prayers and supplications to the great disposer of events for a return of the inestimable blessings of peace, union, and harmony throughout the land which has pleased him to assign as a dwelling place for ourselves and for our posterity throughout all generations. Lincoln declares Thanksgiving as a time to stop 
think, be thankful. In this proclamation, he mentions a Christian God, but thankfulness can be religious or not. And he also is using it as a way to call for unification during the Civil War, to say like, hey, I really hope this stops soon. So Thanksgiving for Lincoln here is patriotic. It's about bringing the country back together. It's about stopping and giving thanks. It's not about a made-up meal. Now, the woman behind Thanksgiving is a woman named Sarah Josepha Hale. Sarah Josepha Hale was the editor, a female editor in the 1800s, love that, of the Ladies' Magazine. And she was really prominent in society. People knew who she was. They trusted her um, editorials in the magazine. They trusted the uh, articles that she put in the magazine. They also trusted the literature that she chose to publish. Uh, she is also the author of Mary Had a Little Lamb, in case you run into some Jeopardy trivia. And Sarah Josepha Hale fought for a national Thanksgiving. So here's a place where you can instill some women's history. There are so many different ways to look at Thanksgiving, so many better ways than looking at a fake story. So anyway, I digress. Uh, she noticed that Thanksgivings were being celebrated throughout the United States in some places, some states, and in some states not. Southern states did not celebrate Thanksgiving. They saw it as a Yankee holiday and they saw it as an anti-slavery holiday. So most Southern states didn't celebrate Thanksgiving at all, but Northern states were celebrating it on different days. Some of them were doing it in November. Some of them were doing it in December. So what she wanted to do was she wanted to call upon President Lincoln to have a federal Thanksgiving day where everyone would stop and be thankful and grateful. And she saw it also as a patriotic holiday. It was a bit politicized. She got a little bit of flack about it in, uh, for writing about it and campaigning for it in the ladies' magazine, but not much. And she wrote a letter to Secretary of State Seward, and she also wrote a letter three days later, I think, to President Lincoln asking for this federal Thanksgiving holiday. And Lincoln and uh, Hale never actually met, but Lincoln declared the holiday. And she was behind this idea of a federal holiday. And Seward would have listened to her because she had met him before. They were kind of friends and they also had some uh, family ties together. So Thanksgiving Day for Sarah Josepha Hale, the woman who wanted a federal Thanksgiving, wasn't about this meal either. Okay. So now that we've talked about where the federal holiday came from, let's talk about centering indigenous history in the holiday. The, uh, Smithsonian National Museum of the American Indian offers this incredible resource for um, for teachers. It is called American Indian Perspectives on Thanksgiving. It is this fabulous pamphlet. You can find it if you go to AmericanIndian.si.edu. It's from their education department, and basically what it does is it offers some background information about indigenous tribes. And I use indigenous as this blanket term because the pamphlet tells you not just about the Wampanoag, which is the tribe that the pilgrims or Puritans, we should call them, would have met, but it also talks to you about several different tribes that live throughout the United States. And it tells you how in the past 
They had celebrated their own Thanksgivings. It talks about community with the earth. It talks about sharing with one another. It talks about the relationships between the people. It talks about relationships between people and plants and people and animals. And it brings up different ways that different tribes celebrate that. So that's part of what I really like about this particular pamphlet. It brings indigenous history to the present. So you're learning about indigenous present and really centering indigenous people on the Thanksgiving story. Another thing that I really like about the pamphlet is that the first page is all about American Indian perspectives on Thanksgiving. It tells the teacher, it gives the teacher some background in case uh, in case you're not familiar with the history. And it also breaks down the idea of Thanksgiving into three different lenses or three different themes that students can view thankfulness through. So they identify environment as the traditional knowledge about and understandings of the natural world. They identify community as the role that group identity plays in Native cultures. And then they also do not ignore encounters or how interactions between cultures have affected those cultures. And I love that because the story of Thanksgiving erases the violence and it erases the land theft that indigenous people suffered at the hands of settler colonists. So first, let's talk a little bit about that story. You know the story that I'm talking about, the one where the Wampanoag and the pilgrims sit together and they have a super friendly meal and there's a turkey at it. Newsflash, no turkey. No turkey in 1621 on the table. Would have been venison, definitely, but not turkey. And corn, but super, super not turkey. So the real story is that the Puritans came and landed in Plymouth. All of you have heard of Plymouth Rock, I'm sure. And they tried to build their colony in the winter. And the people who came on the Mayflower didn't really know how to plant anything. And they especially didn't know how to plant anything here. So it's winter time. They nearly starve. The Wampanoag save them. So even though the Wampanoag see these people as interlopers, they're people who are coming and settling on land that's not theirs, they share. They help them. And then in the springtime, Tisquantum or Squanto comes and teaches them how to plant crops. Now, Squanto knew English because he had interacted with traders prior to the Puritans coming and settling on the land and being there permanently. He teaches them about the three sisters, about planting corn, bean, and squash together. He shows them to use fish in the uh, as fertilizers. And at the end of that season, there's a successful harvest. Now, thing is, there's it's a really precarious relationship between the Wampanoag and the Puritans. They fight a lot. Um, The Puritans take their land and they don't trust each other. And you cannot blame the Wampanoag for not trusting the Puritans. So when the Puritans get their harvest, they start shooting their guns in celebration. And the Wampanoag bring a war party over to the settlement because they basically think that the Puritans are about to attack. And they have good reason to think that. 
But as it turns out, they're they are celebrating a harvest and the Wampanoag at war party is invited to stay. So it's a three days or so celebration. They eat, but then things decline from there. There's going to be fighting because the values of the Europeans and the way they view land certainly does not match the way that the Wampanoag are viewing the land um, and property. Europeans build fences, and that's something that the Wampanoag just don't, they can't fathom because that's not something that happens for them. So the Wampanoag were not actually invited to the Puritan feast, which, by the way, would not have been a big deal. Thanksgivings were declared all the time. Puritans had days of Thanksgiving. They were usually days of fasting and prayer. They were not a big fun feast like you would think that they were based on the story that we hear now. And when Massasoit, the leader of the Wampanoag, their head Sachem, got there, it was really politically tense. Imagine you're a war party. You think you're going to getting shot at by this group of people who came and settled on your stuff. I don't think those feelings just drop away, especially those feelings of tension. The Puritans were a threat to the Wampanoag, and they're not going to forget that simply because they end up getting invited to dinner because they showed up. So in my opinion, here's what we need to do with this. Number one, we need to drop that national myth. National myths have power. And by teaching our youngest kids this incorrect history, we're doing them a disservice because generations of us have grown up believing this story and forgetting about some of the history that happened, some of the ugly history that happened in the United States. Now, I'm not saying to teach a kindergartner about war between indigenous peoples and Europeans. I'm not telling you to teach them about disease wiping out entire tribes in kindergarten. You can stay developmentally appropriate without lying to your students. So at our youngest level, what we should do is we should take this entire story and throw it away. And please, please, please don't dress your students in buckled hats and buckled shoes or even worse, feathers. It's not the way to go. What you can do is you can focus on gratitude, sharing, and community. Rewrite the narrative. Use the Smithsonian materials to help your students understand that Native American nations and communities across North America had and have their own histories and have their own cultures. So you can teach about Thanksgiving in a way that recognizes indigenous peoples in the United States and also bring in Native American Heritage Month, which is in November. You can talk about innovations and contributions to society by indigenous people. You can talk to your students about Native communities and how they traditionally place a high value on social relationships, and then talk about what that has to do with Thanksgiving. Or talk about how Native communities practice gratitude and have a relationship with the plants and the animals that they eat. And how that goes with Thanksgiving. And think about ways that we in our classrooms can practice sharing community and gratitude. 
So when I gave my students, my students are eighth graders, when I gave my students these posters, I asked them to read about community and sharing. And I also asked them to read about encounters because my students studied wars between indigenous peoples and Europeans earlier in the year. And we continue to do so because those wars don't go away in the 1600s. They continue. And the ramifications of those continue to right now. And I also asked my students to read George Washington's proclamation of Thanksgiving. And that in that, uh, that's a Mount Vernon source. That talks about how Thanksgivings were declared just as days of thanks. You could declare Thanksgiving about uh, the end of the revolution. You could declare Thanksgiving for the soldiers. That's what George Washington did. So that helped them understand that in the 1620s, And the 1700s and the 1800s, days of Thanksgiving were just randomly called so that people would stop and be thankful. So by building this understanding of, number one, that 1621 Thanksgiving story is not would not have been a big deal. Thanksgiving wouldn't have been a big deal to the Puritans. And that prior to 1890, Thanksgivings were called or I'm sorry, prior to 1864, Thanksgivings were called whenever. And prior to 1890, This Pilgrim Indian story wasn't a thing. And centering the indigenous story, my students are able to come up with a completely new narrative to tell the Thanksgiving story. And it's one that doesn't erase history, and it's one that doesn't hurt people. With each source I gave them, I asked them to answer these questions. One, I needed them to tell me what was the meaning or what is the meaning of Thanksgiving according to the the perspective that you're reading. So this required inference, and they would have to practice their inferencing skills. Second, what is one connection you can make between Thanksgiving and gratitude based on what you read? Third, what do you still wonder? What questions do you still have? And lastly, how can the source that you read help tell the Thanksgiving story in a different, more truthful way? And as students were reading, I made sure that I was walking around the classroom. And I can't stress walking around the classroom enough when you're having these kinds of conversations because you're unteaching them something that they really think they know. And stereotypes about indigenous peoples work their way into conversations. Sometimes students know what they're saying, so you have to call them out and tell them that it's not okay. And sometimes students just don't know what they don't know, so you need to call them in and help explain that what they're saying is not okay. You also, and most importantly, need to be there to support indigenous students and also help others learn how to do better. Now, in the end, when they were finished reading and answering questions and having their conversations, the culminating question that I wanted students to be able to answer was, after hearing common Thanksgiving myths, then reading about indigenous perspectives, and reading about Thanksgiving in the 18th century, do you think that the way we explain and talk about Thanksgiving in popular culture should change? Why or why not? What would you like the narrative to be? So this part gives students a choice after they've read all of these sources. And they get to tell me what they think. Now, I know that that's a hard part of teaching because some students might be stuck on that Pilgrim Indian story. But then that also helps me assess their thinking and what I need to do better in order to help them see that sometimes our national myth can be harmful and hurtful. So all of my students were able to answer the question. And 
I'd like to share a couple of responses with you because I thought they were really quite brilliant. So one of my students said, I don't think that setting up a false narrative for them at a young age is something that's good for our still developing brains because that starts beliefs of bias and stereotypes. I think that the narrative for Thanksgiving should be set up in a way which people understand all perspectives that are relevant to the story and that are appropriate for them to start learning about. The most important thing that we should all recognize is that Thanksgiving always has and always will mean different things to different people. For me, it's about showing my unconditional gratitude and love for my family and friends and remembering those who are no longer with me. So this whole lesson isn't about blowing up Thanksgiving. And it's not about taking Thanksgiving away or ruining it in any way. It's about how can we do better and how can we help our students do better? How can we uncenter a hurtful, untrue story and center our indigenous communities and center the fact that Thanksgiving is about gratitude and sharing and community? I hope that this was a helpful podcast for you. I found this lesson to be really gratifying for me, and I'm thankful that I'm in a community that is really reflective. If you would like to get in touch with me before our next podcast, you can find me on Twitter at History Her Way. You can find me on the web, www.teachinghistoryherway.com, or you can find me on Instagram at Teaching History Her Way. I hope you have a wonderful, blessed Thanksgiving. And I hope that you can keep in mind the communities around you and how you have that reciprocal relationship with them. I hope that you can share your talents and your love. And I hope that you can show gratitude for everything that you have. I am certainly very, very grateful for you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.